0: I'm Savannah,
1: and I'm Alicia, and this is Burden of Proof. So I don't really have, we don't have any any business per se, but I, um, this is a UK case. Ooh. So shout out to any uh, UK listeners. Absolutely. Um, they will know all too well, because she's kind of known as, I don't want to give too much away, but she's kind of known as. They read the title. The most hated mother. Ooh, I know who you're talking about. You do? I do. Oh, okay. I don't know the case, but I've definitely heard that. You heard that. Yeah. 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 It's you will. You'll hate her by the end <laughs> by the end of it. Not to give it all away, but most people have heard something about it. So this is the disappearance of Shannon Matthews. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. You were just talking about spooky stuff, so... Yeah. It, this is I was trying... Well, because not the really spooky. I,
0: the reason I paused is I was going to try and do it in Moira's accent, but then I was like, <laughs> that's just going to go bad, so don't... Don't do that.
1: All right. Shanna Matthews, a nine-year-old girl from the working-class neighborhood of Moorside Estates in Dewsbury. Dewsbury? That's I not a that real word. place. Dewsbury. Uh, Yorkshire was reported missing by her mother, Karen Matthews, on February 19th of 2008.
0: Oh my gosh, the case that we just recorded took place in February of 2007. Great minds think alike. Yes, we do.
1: Karen told authorities that her daughter left for school that morning, but never returned home. Security footage at the school showed Shannon was in attendance and left at dismissal just as she did normally. Yeah. Within 24 hours, I found this impressive. Sorry for interrupting myself, but I was thoroughly impressed at how quick they responded because here they'd be like, well, well, with a child, they might not. No, they would be quicker to respond. But I mean, they did ask her, would she have any reason to try and run away? Yeah. That sort of thing. Because how so old is she? She's nine. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So, but they like pulled it together, man. Really fast. It was impressive, in my opinion, compared to what I've seen here. Here we just get Amber Alerts. Yeah. But we don't do like man hunts for a missing child here. Like, yes, there are people searching, but this was like, I'll get into the numbers of yeah. So within 24 hours, police launched one of the largest search parties to ever take place in Britain with over 200 officers and 60 detectives. That's a lot of people. Yes. They used, I believe they said 10% of the Yorkshire Yeah, force. Like they went all in. That's a significant number. Mhm. Accompanied by her live-in boyfriend, Karen Matthews made her emotional plea for shannon's return as the local residents banded together to help police search so not only did they have 260 of the police but like the entire practically the entire neighborhood of more estates stepped in and started yeah. helping search and i'm sure other people from the area too but it really like pulled together this neighborhood so, while the news of Shannon's disappearance was big news in Yorkshire, it initially wasn't a story that found much public interest. Okay. Like I said, they all banded together pretty instantaneously. We have to find this girl. But elsewhere, especially, you know, internationally initially, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. So, just months after the disappearance of Madeline McCann... Who you probably know.
0: Oh, yeah, because they're pretty knows. sure they just
1: identified her.
0: <gasps> did they? I didn't I don't know. that. I heard it was a rumor that it was this Polish girl came forward and said that oh, she I was did. Madeline McCain.
1: Yeah, I did see something about I it. I, I didn't, didn't read get it, into to it. be honest, but I think that they... Well, this happened just months after yeah, so... her disappearance, and that quickly became international news. So those who so desperately wanted to find Shannon were left frustrated because they're like, well, this girl's missing yeah. and I feel like I don't need to say who Madeline McCann is, but just in case anybody listening doesn't know that case, um, she was a three-year-old girl who went missing while on vacation with her family in Portugal in 2007. To many in Moorside Estates, the reason for the discrepancy in interest and coverage was apparent. Madeline was an adorable younger child with attractive married parents who were both doctors. Mm Mm-hmm. Shannon was from a lower-class family whose mother had seven children from five different fathers. Sounds about right. Now, it was reported that Karen had an intellectual disability and former friends and neighbors Say that she often exposed her children to terrible conditions and was at best neglectful.:
0: Yeah, oh, that's rough.
1: You never want to hear that. Yeah. And so one reporter said it perfectly, and I can't quote him, I didn't write the quote, but basically he was explaining, like, this really, you know, shined the light on the underbelly that most people often ignore yes. in society. Social services had been called multiple times on the family, but alas, no- nothing much was done other than one of the children temporarily placed in foster care. Now, those assisting in the search weren't going to stand by and watch as the news coverage dwindled. So they really pushed for coverage on this, mm-hmm. not just the family, it was yeah. Karen's friends. And everybody in the neighborhood of Moorside pulled together to not just help in the search, but really push for like news coverage and to find her. So they continued rallying for Shannon, especially Karen's friend, Julie Bushby. Shannon's case ended up attracting enough attention that multiple cash rewards for her safe return were offered by different donors. And by the time she had been missing for 20 days, The total rewards were in upwards of 50,000 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Despite many pleas to the public about how heartbroken she and their family were about Shannon's absence, Karen Matthews' interviews with police had been inconsistent at best and her behavior odd. Okay, like what? Possibly the most bizarre thing about Karen's behavior and statements is that she never entertained that Shannon could be dead. Okay. In the first of several police interviews, she said, this is a quote, She's out there somewhere in a nice warm environment, but the person who's got her is not coming forward, which that's what we'd really like, really. I, I, okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, remember, she
1: had like she's not. A super no, I'm not. Woman. I'm not saying
0: it about the quote. I'm saying it's weird. I feel like every parent that a child goes missing, they at least acknowledge. Mm-hmm. They're like, we know the odds, but we don't want
1: that to be the case, kind of thing. And yeah. she's not even. And I can see a mother saying, like, my intuition is telling me she's still alive, mm-hmm. but she. Honestly, the police never fully trusted her. Yeah. But, you know, they needed to find Shannon. So their focus initially was more so on just finding her.
0: Absolutely. And then figuring out how it happened.
1: Yes. So they have something called family liaison officers, which I thought was really cool. And when those officers, there was two of them assigned to the family. And when they visited the home, They noted that Karen and her boyfriend, Craig Meehan, seemed anything but upset. Craig sat playing Xbox while Karen watched, and then she began dancing when a song that she liked came on the TV. So this was like one of the first times they ever came to the home. And you have these officers. I mean, yes, they're there in like a social services kind of way, but they are officers like and your child is missing they're not only there to help you through this but they are watching you yeah for and reporting it to the police detectives yeah Yeah. and that's that's weird yeah i mean there were other behaviors and stuff that went on but these were the ones that really stood out to me And the final thing was that the public actually began criticizing Karen and Craig when they had been offered financial assistance of free groceries. And of course, they're being followed by, you know, a handful, at least at this point, of news reporters. And they go shopping and they filled one cart with food and the entire second cart with beer. I should say buggy, not cart, because over there they would say it buggy.
0: No, they call it trolleys. Trolleys. The South calls them buggies. I call it a buggy. You do. Because I'm from North Carolina, and we call them buggies. And I think it's it's better than cart. Cart is so boring. Buggy has character. Cart is boring. Yes. They call them trolleys, though, I think.
1: That sounds... Yeah, they call it something other than cart. Somebody go yes. comment on our
0: Instagram post about this case yes. and let us know what they Let's call know. it. And <laughs> does
1: the entire UK say the same thing or do different areas, like in the US, different yeah. areas? I'm from up north, so I say cart. You grew up in the south, so you say buggy. Buggy's way better. You never know. Okay. So after searching over 1,700 homes. Oh my God. In the area. Yeah, they went, they literally. In the house? Sort of, yeah. They went door to door on the route that she would have or should have taken from school to more side estates. And they took over a thousand statements from potential witnesses or people who know them. There was still no sign of Shannon. Investigating all family members and those close to the family took an unbelievable amount of work and paper. They literally had the family tree spread out on an entire wall. Wow. They were doing the work. They really were. There were over 300 individuals they needed to check into that were just on, like, the family tree. Yeah. Because, as I said, Karen has seven children by five different fathers. Yeah,
0: so there's a lot of people.
1: Karen herself is one of seven children. So between the family's friends, her large family, and the families and friends of each of the fathers of her children, it was a huge undertaking. In one of the many press conferences she attended, Karen suddenly added a new detail of who she believed could be involved, stating she thinks it is someone who knows Shannon and herself as well. Okay. But she never said that in the beginning. (laughs) So why is this just now coming out? Still unhelpful, it just added to detectives' suspicions. And finally, 23 days after Shannon went missing, detectives received a call from a concerned family member stating that they had not heard from a man named Mike Donovan in weeks. Detectives decide to follow this lead, and find that his real name is actually Paul Drake, and he is the uncle of Craig Meehan, Karen's okay. living boyfriend. So, and I believe no, Mike, but one... Paul
0: and Paul, yeah, related but he to Craig. at this
1: point he does go by Mike Donovan,
0: but okay. he does
1: have a record, and his original name is Paul Drake.
0: Oh, okay, so it's like a uh, he just goes by that because of his record.
1: We don't know. He also took the name from like a character in a movie or something it like that. It sounds familiar. So, it's hard to say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, too, is Yeah, I intellectually gather. borderline disabled. I don't know exactly. I just think they just, they're just not, you know, the genetics aren't right yeah. there. So, he also lives only a mile from Moorside Estates. They look into his background And they find that Mike Donovan had abducted his own daughter previously when she had been placed in foster care. Okay. Because him and his ex-wife were getting divorced. He said that she was abusive. She said that he was abusive. She, I believe, had a record for, like, drugs and stuff, so they just took the kids and... Mm -hmm. They said, neither one of you get them. Yeah, and he did not like that. So he showed up at her school and picked her up. I was mm-hmm. like, "Come on."
0: Well, I think that's that's true. Like the most likely person to kidnap somebody yeah. is somebody that you know, so yes. it's a family member.
1: Yes. At this point, police didn't really believe they would find Shannon alive. I mean, no, absolutely, you typically not. don't yeah. after twenty three days. No. Yeah. So. You can imagine their absolute astonishment when they speak to the neighbor of Mike Donovan who told them she heard what sounded like toddler footsteps from his flat, even when he's not home. And he's a single man, no kids with Mm. him. He has kids, but obviously. Not toddlers. Yeah. They then say, you know, find a way. We need to get into this flat and search. So I'm not sure if they busted the door open or... They had somebody let them yeah. in, but they managed to get inside, and one detective makes his way down the hall, and he- they think nobody's there, because it's deafening silence. Yeah. Until he gets to this one point down the hall, and he hears the voice of a girl saying, stop it. You're frightening me now. Oh, no. He enters the bedroom, which appears to be empty at first, but as he walks around the other side of the bed, he sees Shannon's head pop out from underneath. The detective immediately scoops her up and gets her out of the building to safety. Good. And his interview is years later. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a, you know, documentary thing um, at least a year or Possibly several years later, I watched a couple different ones. So I think I'm mixing up yeah. p- clips of it. But he still, like, you can just see in his face, he still was like, I was just couldn't believe it. And because all of us thought she would be dead, and there she is. And yeah. I just, yeah, it's a sweet story.
0: I mean, he was probably holding her so part. tight.
1: Yeah. And he didn't look around like he's like, I grabbed her and yeah, I immediately and, and then the other cop, the other detective is like, oh, yeah, he comes barreling down the hallway <laughs> like with Shannon. And there you go. So. They get her out to their vehicle. They get her situated. They confirm that she's OK. She yeah. seems OK. And so he asks her, where is Mike because they obviously know there is a family connection of sorts, so she probably knows who this guy is. And she did, and she tells him, he's where I was, under the bed. So detectives immediately send in uniformed officers to search, and within moments, they find Mike curled up within the converted box spring. They call it like a divan or divan, type of bed, Um, but he had like converted it so that the frame of it was empty and then the, the material like flipped up so that, and that's where they would hide if they ever thought anybody was coming. They find him, they drag him out, they arrest him, and he was taken to a cell to await questioning while Shannon was taken to the Dewsbury police station. When the news spread that detectives had found Shannon, the residents of Moorside Estates were elated. There was like celebration in the streets. I mean, they were so excited, especially that uh, Julie Bushby, the friend of Karen, who had sort of been leading a lot of the search and stuff. So excited. Yeah, there's footage of them like popping champagne and they're tearing up all the missing posters and Just knowing what comes next is just, this is so sad because
0: these people were, I mean, they were here. They were invested. They wanted this
1: child safely home. Yes. Strangely, Karen didn't seem to share in everyone else's joy. And their elation was about to be deflated when they realized that the police were not bringing Shannon home. What the people of Moorside didn't know is that police had been a bit suspicious of Karen's story all along and before they even got Mike Donovan fully booked and in a room for questioning, he told them, go arrest Karen He's giving her up quick Oh yeah they he didn't have they didn't even have to put any pressure. he's just like they're like, do you have anything to say? Yes, go arrest Karen. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went. If I'm going down, she's going down with me. Despite instructing Mike of his rights, he tells police that he and Karen had a plan to split the reward money. Mike's full statement details how it was Karen's idea and plan all along that he was to take Shannon and keep her until she gave him the go-ahead to find her. And then when he's given the reward money, he was to split it with her. He claimed that when he told her he didn't want to do that, she threatened him, saying she would send three guys after him. I don't, to do what? I don't know. To beat him up. Once he agreed, he said Karen threatened him further by telling him that if he told anyone, he would be dead. Mike gave an Oscar-worthy performance throughout his time at the station. In an attempt to further the narrative that Karen is the mastermind and he was taken advantage of, he portrayed himself as weak and unable to care of himself, even claiming he couldn't walk once they had him in custody.
0: How is he taking care of a nine-year-old?
1: Yeah. Remember, this is the UK. They have the CCTV cameras everywhere. Yeah. So that comes into play in the investigation where they see, they track his movements, yeah. the, like from the time he took her till they catch him. That's insane. Okay. So they knew that it was a farce. But I they... love that word. <laughs> I, know. I love that word. But they did believe one thing that he said that Karen Matthews had a hand in kidnapping her own daughter. Mm-hmm. Four days after Mike was arrested, Karen was taken in for further questioning. Much more emotional than the previous Times interviewed, Karen denied having anything to do with Shannon's kidnapping. Meanwhile, investigators searched Mike Donovan's flat and found some disturbing evidence. An elastic sort of noose hung down into um, a room or hallway from a beam in the attic space. That's concerning, yeah. yeah. there was no actual definitive evidence that this was ever used on Shannon.
0: but why was it but sorry, still yawning, but why was it there?
1: Yeah, they don't know. They don't know if he was going to use it if he had some other weird
0: I was gonna say reason is it for is it it? a sex thing like yeah,
1: that's where my mind went to Is well, I, I won't get into the story. <laughs> but, I but yeah they don't know but they apparently were able to you know kind of conclude that it didn't appear that it had been used on Shannon they also found a list of rules written out for Shannon to follow with the letters I P U at the bottom it was later confirmed that the letter stood for, I promise you. So the one detail or question that I had about that that wasn't in any of my sources is who wrote it. I saw yeah. a picture of it, and to me, it looks more like a female's handwriting. So I'm thinking it might have been written by Karen to Shannon Meaning, like, I promise you, you're going to be okay. I'm going to come for you. Like, yeah. you just have to do this thing. You just got to stay with him for a little bit. I mean, it doesn't say that. It's just a list of rules of how she is to behave, what she's supposed to do while she's with Mike. And then it's just I.P.U. Huh. Yeah. That's quite strange, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. I can't believe it's taken me this long to do an accent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not me. Finally, in the kitchen cabinet, there were several medications, including the sedative to and we'll get to those in a bit, because they have to do some further investigating and testing and that sort of thing. Okay. So we'll get to those, but at that time, they just take note, and they take them, you know, they confiscate them, if you will. Now, meanwhile, over at the Mooreside Estates, the home of Karen Matthews, they're also investigating, and they're taking things like computers and looking to see what's on those computers. Okay. I'm getting nervous. Now, they didn't find anything Okay, good about Shannon, but they did establish that the boyfriend, Craig Meehan, had no part of the hoax in the kidnapping. Huh. Had no, like, he didn't seem to be aware of... Karen and Mike yeah. concocting this. Um, But they did find his child pornography on oh, the computer.
0: no. I was so nervous about that.
1: So Craig was arrested. I mean,
0: I'm glad that they were looking and
1: that they found it. But I yeah.
0: hate the circumstances.
1: And, yeah, especially when, you know, he's the boyfriend of this single mom, of I believe she had six kids and then I think her and him had a kid together. Oh,
0: I hate
1: that. Or she was uh, she he may not even be the father of any of the kids. She was like already pregnant. I heard I like saw conflicting things in that respect. Yeah. So but in any case should have been he's around. He's living kids. in a house yeah. with kids that are not his biological children.
0: And even then, if you're even them,
1: then, yeah, because that happens a lot too. So I'm not downplaying that, but I'm just saying as a mother, like, how did you not like, did you not know, Karen? I don't. Did you I not don't... care? <laughs> like, I don't know. But in any case, it's in the middle of the investigation still, and they go and arrest Craig and. Ultimately, I think he only ended up serving, like, eight months or something oh, for ick. those charges. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. Gross. This, of course, furthered the public's suspicions at this point. Yeah,
0: that he Because
1: was... they're all questioning, like, why have they still not brought this girl home? Like, they found her, and, of course, the police are staying quiet, so nobody really knows what's going on, but they're- but they know that Shannon's not been brought home yet. Yeah. And that looks not sauce. good. <laughs> they even begin to question whether Karen is the victim that she claims to be. And two of Karen's friends, Julie and Natalie, arranged to meet with her in the company of her family liaison officer with the intent of confronting her about it all because they feel duped. Like absolutely they should. You know, they're confused. They they feel like she's lying. And they're her friends. So on one hand, they're like, just tell us. Like, yes, we feel duped, but tell us the truth. At that point, they still really were like, tell us the truth. It's OK. We're your friends. Like, we support you. And even if you made a mistake or even if you lied, it's like, we'll forgive yeah. you. But instead of asking directly what happened, the one friend, Natalie, kind of like, made the mistake of setting up a scenario telling Karen they would understand if the plan was to get away from Craig because they knew that the relationship wasn't good and that maybe she latched on to Mike in an effort to get away from Craig. Okay, so it's like Natalie sort of like set up this whole thing and she admits that when being interviewed. She admits that like, I said this. And then Karen simply said, yeah, that's true. And they were like, what's true? And she said, what you said. That's true. So she said, oh, they did the work for me. They came up with a story. I'm just going to stick with that. Kind of. (laughs) After that, though, because they push her a little further, Karen starts sobbing. And they said that this time it actually was true sobbing, not Mm -hmm. like what they had seen in all of the press conferences yeah. and stuff it was real tears and then she says everybody's going to hate me now don't know why that's pitiful
0: honey they're gonna hate you because you faked the kidnapping of your daughter and
1: the whole community was put out well god bless these women because they stayed true to their word, saying we won't hate you know we're we're here, we're your friends. And they were like, nobody's gonna hate you. You just need to get the truth out. Does nobody feel bad for the nine-year-old girl? No, they do. And the one friend Natalie ends up, I think, like they're, they're not no friends, longer yeah. friends. Julie Bushby, man, she's so like she's impressive because she remains in contact with Garen through it all. But like mostly to find out mm-hmm. the truth. Like she still years later is like I want the truth. The whole truth. <laughs> like, yeah. She because she was the one that like led and rallied all these people together and and she doesn't take credit for that. The police officers named her as she was kind of the community leader here. She's like, hey, I was just there trying to do the right thing. Like, one of our kids, we I think of th- yeah. this neighborhood. And she's like, I know other people think of more side estates as, like, an underclass or, you know, not a nice neighborhood. But really, it's just a true working class neighborhood. And we're just all there for each other because we need to be. And that's... It takes a village. Yeah. So, God bless Julie Bushby. All I got to say. So, Karen... After this, was once again taken in for questioning. And once again, her version of events changed. Mm-hmm. But at least this time she did admit that she knew Mike had Shannon. She at this point claimed that she had just asked Mike to look after Shannon until she had the strength to leave Craig But she didn't expect him to keep her that long. But just Shannon, not her other kids. Yes. Okay. Does that make sense? Well, we'll get... I'll get there in just a second. Because basically, she was supposed to meet up with him. Okay. She was supposed to come and, like, gather up the younger kids and... And then just meet up with him. Right? Okay. And yes, if you are a rational person... You're saying to yourself right now, what about the other kids? Or, and or, she's the one who reported Shannon missing.
0: If she knew where he was. The
1: same day that she went missing. And she never told police anything about Mike Donovan.
0: So if you knew the whole time, you would have said, She's staying with this guy, but he won't give her back. I
1: told like, him to pick her up and keep her for a while because this was my plan. But now he, he's he gone and I can't it. contact him and, and I don't know where she is. Yes. That's what a normal
0: person would have said. Truthful,
1: rational person would do if that was truly the story. Right?
0: Yeah. But we wouldn't be here if people were rational. Yes.
1: So detectives went on to question Karen eight times after her arrest before she would finally tell them anything that sounded remotely truthful. Her final statement claimed that she had seen Mike parked outside of her home the day before Shannon went missing, so she went out to talk to him. This is when they came up with the plan that he would pick Shannon up after school the next day. The agreement that they made was that Karen and the other kids would then meet Mike somewhere once she was able to get away. Despite Mike giving a detailed statement of how and where they were to meet and collect the reward money, Karen denied ever conspiring to get the money. Meanwhile, detectives were going through all those CCTV cameras Mm -hmm. and tracking Mike's movements, and they spotted that around the time that he took her, either just before or just after, he went into a pharmacy, And they had found all those lovely medications in his kitchen cupboard. And so they decided to follow this trail. And they discovered possibly the most disturbing piece of evidence yet. Through testing of both Shannon's urine and hair, they found that not only were not just tamazepam, but multiple drugs had been administered to her during her time with Mike, but she had them in her hair. Yeah. Dating back almost two years. What? Mm Mm-hmm. And they were specifically able to narrow it down based on the hair growth. Yeah. They could narrow it down to them being administered heavily during the summer and winter breaks from school.
0: Oh, my gosh. No, I, uh, I i i i okay move on because i'm angry
1: yes now you know why she got <laughs> her nickname of Absolutely. the most hated mom in all of uk so once the news of karen's involvement reaches the public it was also released that five years prior when social services had been called They did an evaluation on Karen and concluded that she was not capable of making parenting choices that were in the best interest of her children and that she would need constant monitoring and support throughout her children's lives. Yet, just nine months later, they took the Matthews children off their registry. What? And no one knows why. Oh my gosh. Despite a number of new calls made to social services after that about neglect and violence in the home, all the way up to not long before Shannon's disappearance, children's services continued to deny that their involvement was necessary. They'd go and check it out and then they'd be like, nah, they're okay.
0: I I'm I the system the system failed this child
1: massively. Yep. It failed all of them. Well, then I suggest that you do not watch the uh, one documentary in my sources called "The Mother of Lies." I won't because there is a police, uh, like chief or captain, who's being interviewed, and he very much, very strongly, very pointedly uh, expresses that it is not the system; it is the individual's responsibility, and we more people need to acknowledge that. so he said what yeah Mm, so not surprisingly all of this left the public questioning not only how a mother does such a thing but how it was possible that these children slipped through the cracks of the system until such an event as this took place after an investigation into what had happened with the Matthews children and, and social services it was determined that they could not have predicted nor prevented Shannon's What are you kidnapping. talking about? What are you
0: talking about?
1: What are you talking, <laughs> about? what are you
0: talking about? What are you talking about? First of all, first of all, what does that man think that the system is for?
1: Like, I don't... Well, he's not the one who... I think it was like an internal investigation, I, but... I know. But, yeah, that's exactly... But that's exactly. What it's here for, that's is what, when people can't yeah. do it.
0: Second... What you talking about on the telephone over there? That it, you don't, they couldn't have predicted. Maybe they couldn't have predicted the specific like kidnapping, but you definitely knew that there was something wrong and you were totally under obligation.
1: Well, if these children shouldn't have been in the home anyway. To begin or with. should have been under like the, the that report on Karen, on the family initially said constant monitoring if they were being monitored the way that that had Said that concluded they needed to then who knows you may have prevented it or seen it coming, seen something coming i don't know i mean i can see how yeah they wouldn't see something coming cuz you're not with well, the people. This, all, and, 24/7. and this is a weird
0: situation but at the same time like yes it, you you are that's not fair to say that you couldn't have predicted that something was going to go wrong with these kids
1: yeah i They've been in and out of the home, and we'll get to that in, like, the aftermath. These kids were in and out of that home, often going and staying with grandparents. So you knew that there were problems. But nobody ever, you know, even grandparents don't get to just take the kids and run with them. Like, you know, so. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Karen and Mike are both arrested. I couldn't find a lot of details about the trials um, because I don't know exactly where to look in the yeah. UK when it's another country, so I just have to kind of go based on news articles and because we do, our research time is very limited. But I can say that both were convicted. Now, the charges reported for each of them it varied it didn't li- align like what different sources yeah. were saying what the charges were so i'm kind of going to share what i think makes the most sense i believe that mike was charged with kidnapping false imprisonment and what they call perverting the course of justice which is a funny way of is, saying is a different way um as what we americans call obstruction of justice Perverting is funnier, though. I just, I was just about to say, I just want to say for the record that I like their version better. I, it it acts naughtier. It does. <laughs> it's,
0: it's like, oh, you naughty, naughty. Uh.
1: So, you kept us from fighting crime, didn't you? Yes. So, some sources say that Karen was charged with the same things as Mike, but it makes more sense to me that what another source said, which was um, that she was charged with child neglect yeah. and perverting the course of justice. So yeah. because she didn't actually take the child, so it mm-hmm. yeah, I don't see how that would work, but they both were sentenced to 8 years. That doesn't seem like long enough, but okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess because the child came out relatively I
0: unscathed, think they should
1: have been imprisoned but- for A year for each day she was taken. So 23 years. (laughs) 23 years. Done. Well, they were sentenced to eight. Um, The justice, this is interesting. The justice did note in his sentencing that he does not believe that they could have acted alone. And many people, many people that were involved in the search and, and, um, not so much the detectives, obviously, because they don't want to say like, oh, there's somebody else and we didn't catch them. But there are many other people, family members, uh, Julie Bushby being one of mm-hmm. them, that believe that there was at least one other accomplice. Well, I'm a little weirded out by these friends who were just like, it's OK. I think it's kind of a scam, though. I think at that point, I mean, initially, I think they wanted to believe the best, but Afterwards, Natalie and, like, other people in the neighborhood had nothing to do with Karen. They were pissed. Yeah. I think Julie Bushby's pissed, too, but I think that she she doesn't come out and say, like, I remained in contact with her to try only to find the truth, but I think that that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Was that she just was hoping that at some point, Karen would come clean and tell her exactly what happened. Because this woman, she still lives in that, or at least as of, like, years after the fact, um, in doing the interviews, she still lives in that neighborhood. She's, like, part of the, um, they have, like, an association. Yeah, I think she took it on very personally. She, and she felt betrayed in a way and she was she was very upset that like they never got to see shannon again like anybody in the neighborhood got to see her again so well there's no closure there exactly exactly so she actually um said that through her contact with karen throughout the years because she even went and visited her in jail and stuff and that karen has implied that there is one or more other people involved but investigators never found any evidence of yeah. it so karen and mike despite getting eight years sentenced, were both released in 2012 after serving only about half of their sentence I figured yeah um not much had been reported on mike donovan from the time of his arrest once karen it was noted that Karen is involved, because of course. Yeah. Then everybody's like, well, it's, that's horrific. They're much more horrified about Karen yeah, than they absolutely. are about him. So there's not much to find on him. But one source states that after his release from prison, he was investigated again when it was reported to his parole officer that he was seen regularly sitting on a bench in a marketplace for up to six hours a day, quote acting bizarrely. Yes, he was. He was. He's just sitting I, on a bench, watching people and acting bizarrely. The same source stated that he quote was returned to prison, but it is not known what happened to him since.
0: Was returned like he was. <laughs> I lost this football, but I returned it to its rightful owners. <laughs> yes. His rightful owner is jail. <laughs> kind of,
1: yes. <laughs> so we're not even sure if he's alive. I-, I have no idea. Like, he's either still in jail or dead, I'm guessing. Or maybe he changed his name again and took off. I don't know. His new name is uh, James Bond. James. He just picked
0: another movie name. Wait until you see his picture. Oh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I saw pictures of Craig. I didn't see pictures of him. Because you guys know the first thing. When Alicia starts talking,
1: after about 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, hold on. I got to see what these people look like. Yeah, no. Definitely no James Bond-looking men involved in this story.
0: There's a doctor named Matthew Donovan, so it's going to be... No, Mike.
1: That would be Mike or Michael. Probably do Michael.
0: Donovan. Nope. Also a doctor. Hold on.
1: It is a relatively common name, so...
0: Ah, yes. There it is. This man? Yes. (laughs) He looks like a bird.
1: (laughs) Well, I won't argue with you there. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So now for Karen's update. Are you ready for this? No, but I have no choice. Okay. So it's been reported that once Karen was released, she dyed her hair dark And was given a new identity. Being that she's labeled the most hated mom in the UK. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Even though I read in a couple places that some people were really upset that that was done on tax dollars. Yeah, kind
0: of agree, but...
1: But I also conclude that, like, if she's sitting in jail, she's there on your tax dollars too, I'm assuming. So, either way... All that's really known for sure beyond that is that she moved to the south of England. However, if you'd like to believe the tabloid papers, she's had a string of relationships with different men, including a sugar daddy and a convicted pedophile that is not Craig Mehan, like another convicted pedophile.
0: I, okay, Mm. um,
1: what's wrong with you? But wait. (laughs) It gets better, but she now has found Jesus, and she tells friends that she hopes to settle down and maybe have another child someday. And in case you're wondering where all her other children are...
0: Hold on, I haven't processed that. I will tell you now. I haven't processed that. Um, no. (laughs) No.
1: Just nope. Just please don't. I mean she's in her 40s now so it's not as not as likely but still ew. All right. So when it comes to the kids, it gets a bit confusing when discussing all of the kids and their fathers. So I'm going to kind of try to go over where everyone was starting at Shannon's disappearance and then okay. You know. Um, Because apparently only four of Karen's children were living with her at the time of Shannon's kidnapping. It's unclear from the sources that I found as to where the older three were, possibly with their fathers, with other family, or in foster care. Okay. But... I'm guessing that they weren't in foster care. I'm guessing that they were with their fathers or other family members because of the whole debacle over where was foster care. I feel like if foster, if the social services had taken the three older yeah, ones, Yeah, they
0: would have taken the younger ones. They, they would have the been ones. keeping
1: a closer eye on the younger ones yeah. at least, even if they didn't take them. So, it was reported that Shannon's father had not been in touch with her for as long as a year before she went missing. I'm also kind of guessing like, it's possible that some some of them were with their fathers, but when you got seven babies from five different baby daddies, like that's a lot to coordinate. <laughs> that's way- a
0: lot of coordination, for in sure. In the way of,
1: of scheduling and Pick up and drop off. And yeah. So I'm kind of guessing that not many of these kids had contact with their fathers.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't see how you could really logistically, you're right.
1: Yeah. Manage it. So that's to say, explain why if anybody wondered, like, well, if Shannon wasn't going to go back to her mother, why wouldn't they just take her to her father? Well, he was in on the search for her and he did care. But the fact that he hadn't been in her life in, like, a year or more, like... That's probably why. Yeah. They're not going to be quick to hand her over. Like, you weren't in her life, even though you probably had an idea that she was not living in the best of conditions. So, all right. So, when Shannon was initially found, she and the younger three children were taken to their grandparents' home to stay. Okay. And grandparents is Karen's parents.
0: So, probably not where they need to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I mean, other people close to the family or extended family members had come out publicly and said, like, these are the only people <laughs> that they, within the family that could. could and are decent people. But, like, you can't, and it's not that when you try to do a good job, I know this, you can do the best job you can, but sometimes... If your kid has, like, mental health issues or yeah, is just troubled in general and then gets in with the wrong people and just makes the cho- life choices like Karen did, it's not necessarily her parents' fault. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't know. Like, And, and that is Karen's daughter, so who's to say that they're going to do a better job on if Shannon struggles with any of the same sorts of things or is traumatized by the same sorts of things. It's just... You're never going to know. It's just messy. But they initially did take them to the grandparents because that's kind of where the children would always go when Karen just needed a break or was unable to care for them. But ultimately, they come back after they find out more and they take the children into the custody of the authorities. The grandparents then fought for custody on grounds that they were always the one who the children would come to when Karen couldn't take care. Uh, But ultimately, the court deemed them literally, quote, too old to raise such young children because Shannon was nine and she was the oldest of those four children. Oh. Yeah. Shannon and I believe all the children... But definitely, Shannon was given a new identity and placed with a new family. Social services would periodically give the grandparents updates on her. Oh, that's nice. Uh, But she was not permitted to see them. Oh, that's annoying. And not surprisingly, it's believed that there's no evidence that she was permitted or ever saw Karen again after that. Well, I would freaking hope not. Yeah. She is now an adult. From what I can tell, like she hasn't reached out to the grandparents yeah. or Karen or anything like that. Um, which how can you blame her? Like, yeah, especially if she did get put with a a really nice, loving family.
0: Uh, yeah. Why would she go the other? Why would you move backwards?
1: Yeah. So that is the story of Shannon Matthews and her most hated mother.
0: Well I hated it.
1: Yeah. Like, I know. that was horrendous. I needed a break from murder.
0: Yeah, but was <laughs> this much better? No. Yeah. I don't think so. Not
1: really. I didn't get like super graphic with it. Um no, there sorry. is a book on it that I considered trying to get and read but from what i read in the reviews it's a lot of mixed reviews of people yeah. and a lot of the bad reviews are saying that this woman just kind of put her own uh, like you hear different theories because to this day we don't know why K- karen swears up and down it wasn't about the money i mean it probably was what but- else
0: why else would you do it
1: Yeah. And police believe that that's why. Police believe that she saw what happened with Madeline McCann and she thought, look, I can make a buck on that. Because even though Madeline McCann's parents had money, other businesses and stuff still offered up stuff to make this huge reward. Yeah. I mean, that's that seems the most obvious. But the truth is, we don't know. We Uh... don't know. We don't know if she was actually trying to leave Craig Meehan, if she was just using Mike.
0: I hate it. To try and
1: get this. We don't know, but um, according to some of the readers of that book. Well, true crime books can be like that. Yeah.
0: You have to be very careful about which ones you read and especially which ones you promote.
1: Well, and even this, like, I feel like as you're writing it, you, you want it to be good. Yeah. So it sounds just so much more dramatic and drawn out. And I mean, that's fine. But if you're holding to like i'm telling the truth here i'm telling a true story i feel like a lot of a lot of times it like walks that fine line of like how much of it is actual fact and how much of it is a theory that you're making sound like actual fact
0: yeah and that's a lot it happens a lot in like the podcasts that do one specific case i feel
1: like oh yeah because you're trying to draw it out into several episodes yeah I don't think I could do that. I mean, I... I
0: don't even like doing more they're than one very, part.
1: They're very popular.
0: I enjoy... They're very that good. I enjoy. Like, I love true crime bullshit, and I love... Oh, what did he just... He he switched off, and he's got a new one about Kelly Cochran, and I can't remember what it's called, but I love that, too. Yeah. Um. So, I mean... They're very
1: good. I just think... And maybe this is just my legal, because we... No, Being parrot legals, yeah. we're like, nope, stick to the facts. Stick to the facts. I mean, it's hard. Even... I've actually flexed my writing muscle doing this Mm -hmm. as opposed to when you're taught to write like legal documents and stuff. You're taught to really, that was a struggle for me in school, learning how to be very factual based and Mm -hmm. not draw it out. Because previously my writing skills were all like fiction and draw it out and make it flowery and make Mm it. Can't do that and you can't do that in law so that's part of why i think
0: i also think that that sometimes makes the cases that we do when we talk about the brutality of some things
1: yeah we we're, sound we so sound much
0: more hitting my mic. <laughs> so we're just like yeah and then he dismembered her and he cut off her hands and it's because we're so used to just saying what happened in yeah. the facts
1: yeah so S- sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> But I'm guessing anybody that listens to us regularly understands that or, yeah, you know.
0: But I, I have that. There was a book on on something that I wasn't sure if I was going to recommend. It was on Belle Gunnis. Yeah. For the same reason, because I felt like the author's personal opinions yeah. were leaking into the book. And it just happens, but it makes a good story. Yes. And sometimes we're here as true crime lovers for the escapism and like the fantasy of like crime is like but it's not a mystery book this isn't a mystery story this happened it's true crime and so I'm with you on that that the the line needs to be pretty
1: well and I especially feel that way when the people are still alive
0: and like they're still
1: you know we even had a comment on YouTube on one of the episodes that I did that the family is still very much alive and around and a family member, we we made a joke about out of the context in the moment, but the context was we've joked about how people come up with these crazy conspiracy theories on true crime things. And so we made a joke about somebody's son being in on it, but he was just a kid at the time. And we didn't mean so it like that. So we clearly did not mean it. But even doing something like even what we do, we try to stick to the facts as much as possible. But sometimes like when you are joking around or you take something out of context or you have an opinion about about something it can like yeah very much feel skewed to people and we in no way shape or form want to i mean the criminals themselves let's face it we i'm gonna laugh at you we don't have much of an issue of making fun or
0: no um, but, but we, we never want to, victims yeah. or
1: you know and in that case the 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 child wasn't That we made that joke about the child wasn't a victim, other than his father committed crimes, which then hurt him and obviously traumatized him and his family. Because to find out that your father is this criminal, (laughs) like that sucks. So, yeah. Anywho,
0: yeah, what a tangent. I think that part of the reason where that I'm particularly so worried about how people directly related to the crime are going to see the portrayal of it in the true crime community is because I see how cases affect people in real life on a a much smaller scale at work. (laughs) So as a paralegal, you see the humanity behind the stories because you're dealing with those people every day. Yep. And so it does make us a little bit more aware, which is like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when we posted Alex Murdaugh, I decided I, that we should not post pictures of Mallory. Yeah, who was a victim in that case. But I was like, the media is not talking about Mallory. They're not talking about her family. Yeah, and I don't know if they want to. So I didn't. I just was like, I I don't feel that it's necessary. If you yeah. want to, you can seek that out. But it's her family doesn't hasn't said whether or not they want to be talked about.
1: Yeah. If they
0: have, I didn't see it.
1: Well, so, they're not coming out and doing a bunch of interviews and stuff... Well, and they're like, in the middle
0: of... They are suing.
1: Yeah. So I'm not... they probably don't want it talked about because... Exactly.
0: So... Yeah. And, like, I don't want her, you know, picture to be attached to stupid, creepy Alex Murdoch's face forever. Yeah. So, anyway. And, like, Tanzler... Ugh. Anyway... ciao anyway so what are we talking about
1: and if you're listening to this episode first go back and find those episodes (laughs) yeah if you're listening
0: to this episode go listen to Kyle Tanzler it's pretty gross
1: yes it is and I really liked
0: the Scott Pert case yeah I liked that coverage well anyway (laughs) if you made it this far go comment what your favorite flavor of ice cream is on the bottom of our Instagram post about this case and we'll send you a little shout out
1: we'll send you a little
0: video saying thanks yes
1: all right. Well,
0: thanks for listening. Absolutely. We will talk to you guys next week. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.